Galatians, the fifth chapter. Now, last week we primarily just talked about uh, uh, the uh, kind of kind of a definition of faith and what God thought about faith and some things like that. And tonight we're, we're going to cover some other amazing facts about faith, and then uh, conclude this evening. And next week we're going to talk about using our faith, releasing our faith against the mountains and the obstacles in our life. Come on, amen. Amen. But see, if we have an overall understanding, see, some people think the subject of faith, oh, you want them name it and claim it, people. Well, yes and no. If he named it, I claim it. If I get outside of the will of God, outside of the Bible, then I get over into presumption. And a lot of people had thought they were operating in faith and they were really operating in presumption because they didn't really have a basis for what God said in His Word. Amen? So it has to start with the Word. In Galatians, I want you to see the context here. In verse, I tell you what, let's just go up to verse 6. And then we'll go back to 1 and bring it back to 6 because I want you to see context here. Look at the 5th uh, chapter of Galatians, verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Now, some well-meaning preachers, and I've learned some great things from their sermons on love. There's one in particular that has several teachings on what they call the love walk, which God knows we need to hear that series and walk in love and keep the strife out out of our lives, amen, and the other ugly stuff. You know, we don't want to be holding grudges and upset all the time at people. We need to walk in love. But the context I've always heard this verse preached in was... Well, you better walk in love, because if you don't walk in love, your faith won't work. So now you've been behaving all week, Bob, you know, just doing right, man, for seven days in a row, and then that one traffic light, and that one heifer that almost hit your car. Come on now. Or maybe somebody in the checkout line at Kroger took a little too long, and you got a little upset. Well, then the old devil comes and say, okay, everything you've been praying for all week's right down the drain because you ain't walking in love. Your faith ain't working. Well, that's an interesting concept. And there's some truth to that in that if, if you're walking around mad all the time and holding grudges and strife in your life and yelling and screaming at people, it will probably have a negative effect on your faith life. But let's go to context. I don't believe that love there is our love. Go up to verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, he's not talking there about sin. He's talking about the yoke of the, of the law, the yoke of Old Testament law of bondage. See, you've got to understand the whole book of Galatians to understand that I'm right right there because uh, what had happened, Paul came in and preached the grace of God, and then these people that we call Judaizers came along behind Paul and added the law to grace and said, oh, but you've got to keep the law, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to do this, you've got to keep the holy days and all this kind of stuff. Look at verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall not profit you anything. Now, don't go run out of here, especially, <clears throat> anyway... Don't go out here, well, I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, no, what he's saying is that if you're being circumcised, see, there, there were grown men being circumcised back in, back, back in those days because somebody came along and said you had to keep the law of Moses to be saved. 
And they thought, well, I sure don't want to go to hell when I die, so I better do this, you know. But, but see, what he's saying is, if you're being circumcised for righteousness or trying to keep the law, in other words, to become right with God, Christ doesn't profit you anything. If you're a law keeper, just, just keeping the Old Testament law, Jesus doesn't mean anything to you. Verse 3, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. In other words, if you're going to keep that part, one thing about law keepers, they pick and choose the part they want to keep. A heifer came up, I mean, a lady came up to me one night in Pennsylvania and was talking to me about my bacon, you know. And, you know, when you're packing around some weight around the middle, you know, you draw those people, those health nuts people, you know. And she said, Brother Blaine, do you keep the dietary laws of the Old Testament? I said, no. I don't overdo it. I might have pork a couple times a week, you know, with my bacon or my sausage with the eggs in the morning or something. But, you know, I'm not a big ham eater and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I said, no, I don't keep that. And she said, well, she gave me a little, her little speech, which was a good little speech as far as health is concerned. But there's always an air about them people. They think they're just a notch above you because they don't eat bacon. So I asked her a question before she left me. I said, may I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, have you offered any animal sacrifices today? And she said, well, no. I said, that's in the law too. And if you keep one part of it, then you're indebted to keep it all. So you're a lawbreaker too. And I know she had on britches. I said, and you know, the Bible said in Deuteronomy 22, 5, and she huffed and puffed walking out. I said, it's, it's an abomination for a woman to put on a man's apparel. Of course, that verse ain't talking about a woman wearing slacks. That's talking about transvestites. You know, so I kind of got my point across in a, as loving a way as I could. My point is this. If you're trying to be righteous by keeping the law, you have thrown Jesus out the window. I'll do it my way. I don't need grace. Okay. Now stay with me. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Verse 4, whosoever you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. Once again, that does not mean you've lost your salvation. See, people just grab a verse like that and say, see there, you can lose it, brother. Well, let me tell you what. What he's talking about there, you have fallen from grace. You have decided, I will not take the grace of God in my life to help me live. I'll do it my way. I'll do it in my own strength and power. But you're about to have a big fall. Verse 5, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Then in that context... Verse 6, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. What he is saying is, now let, let me just break this down so you'll see what, what God showed me out of verse 6. This is awesome. Neither circumcision, that would be something you do, nor uncircumcision, something you didn't do. Now, just for the sake of illustration, let me put that in, in, in there. I'm not altering the Scripture. I'm just trying to show you what it's saying. For in Jesus Christ, neither what you do or what you do not do amounts to anything. But faith, which works by love, not your love, His love. In other words, God loves you, whether you're circumcised or not, whether you keep the law or don't keep the law, and because you know that's an unconditional love that you cannot earn, your faith is wide open to grow and trust God because it's not about your performance, it's about what Jesus did. So uh, those, those fellows that used to preach this a different way, they, they, they were trying there, but I, I really think, I'm sure when we get to heaven, the Lord will let them know I had it right. 
faith which worketh by love. How do I get my faith to work? Realize that God loves you unconditionally. See, some people have faith as long as they're having a good week. But what, 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 what about the week you fell off the wagon? What about the week that you just failed and everything that could go wrong did and you're not feeling very spiritual this week? Well, then you don't have much faith. But if you know in your heart that God loves you, and I'm not preaching this to condone unholy living. Don't, don't, don't read that into what I'm preaching. Anybody with any sense knows that. When I was a young preacher up in Cleveland, Ohio one night, I was preaching up at Assembly of God Church up by Cleveland. And I was preaching something happy, something good. Some old guy back in the crowd. He said, that won't work if you ain't living right. Before I could even answer, before I could catch myself, I said, well, start living right. I mean, there's always these attitude people in the crowd, you know. That don't work if you're not living right. Well, anybody, any half-wit knows that. Come on. You can't live in sin and practice sin and expect the blessings of God in your life. Come on now. Now, God loves you. But you cut off the supply when you, when you act goofy. You get outside of his known will. Now, some people are just acting stupid because they don't know any better. But I'm, I'm talking about to him that knoweth the good, to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. See, see, it's when you know right and then you don't do right. Then that's a different story. Okay. Right there in that same chapter, go over to chapter, excuse me, that same book, chapter 2, verse 20. So what have we learned? What's the foundation of our faith? The foundation of our faith is that God loves me unconditionally. Everybody say this out loud with me. The foundation of my faith is that God loves me unconditionally. Hallelujah. You'll never have consistent faith in God until you realize that God has it for you, man. If God had a billfold, he'd have a picture of you in it. If God had a refrigerator, he'd have a picture of you on it. He would. There's actually a scripture in Isaiah that says we're engraved in his hand. Our names. Imagine that. Wow. Hallelujah. Galatians 2.20. Now we're going to look at his faith. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, listen, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith that I muster up and really try to get to grow because if I got a lot of faith, then I can live a victory. No, no, you're adding all that. Let's try this again. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of who? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, some of us don't think about Jesus having faith. We don't think about him. His whole life, his whole walk here was a walk of faith. Because it says in every way he pleased God. What's he, Hebrews eleven six, which we're just about to go there. What's he, Hebrews eleven six is without faith it's impossible to please God. So if Jesus always pleased the Father, he had to live by faith too. Let me give you a little illustration. In other words, we get in on the blessings on the coattails of Jesus. I graduated in 74. A little bit different now, but, but, but back in the day, kids hardly, especially the redneck place I grew up in, hardly anybody went to college. And there was some big industry. There still is down there, but 
around Cincy, there was a, a, a big mattress company, Stearns and Foster's. Used to, used, used to go by it going down I-75 on the way to Kentucky, didn't you, on the left side there? Stearns. And then there was GE, making big jet engines, you know. And then there was uh, Procter & Gamble. And Ford was down there. Now, I'm not even talking about the ones up here in, you know, the Delco and all that stuff and all that. I'm just talking about Cincinnati, the kids I went to school with. And I heard a lot of them say, I ain't going to college. My daddy's going to get me on Stearns. I've heard that somebody get me on Stearns. And then others say, I, ain't, I, ain't, I don't need to go to college. But the minute I get out of high school, I'm going to get me a job at Ford's. Add an S on it for some reason. F-O-R-D-S, Ford's. That's the same people go to Kroger's and the doctor's. You ever notice they really ain't S's on all those words, but hillbillies always add an S to it. I'm going to doctors. I'm going to Ford's. I'm going to Kroger's. <laughs> have I nailed it? And some of them guys didn't have enough sense to get out of the rain. They were not A average students, okay? But buddy, a week or two after high school's out, they were at Ford's. And at GE's and Stearns's. What are they doing? Getting in on the coattails of daddy who worked there for 25 years before them. My dad's going to get me on at Ford's. And he did. Well, see, I'm not speaking in a condescending way to you. Some of you might think you're real hot rods. But listen, the most of us, you know, <laughs> we didn't score real high. You know what I mean? But, but when we made Jesus, come on, somebody shout with me. When we made Jesus Lord, Lord of our lives, see, we, he's, he's getting us on at Ford's and Stearns's. Not because we've always passed the test, Bell, but because Jesus passed the test. His faith, his by the faith of the Son of God. So the blessing that and this life I live, the victory I enjoy, is not about Blaine's ability, but about what Jesus already did with his faith a long time ago. Come on, amen. Talk about the foundation of faith. We're talking about his faith. Now let's look at God is looking for faith. Once again, Hebrews eleven six. We looked at it last week, but let's look at it again. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith. It's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now that isn't that God is going to get you. He's a rewarder. No, why would God be upset with somebody that's diligently seeking him? The Greek word there for seek is crave. And strawberry pie with Cool Whip. Hey! And steak and shake. Come on now, my preacher good. And Waffle House. Hey, Amen. You know what I mean? There's something you crave, you know? They put a white castle right off the hill a half a mile from my house. Glory to God. And they always talk about the crave, you know, for White House, for, for White Castle. You know? Oh, you got the crave, you know. And a few times I didn't pass that test. And at the wrong hour of the night, go down there and get a sack of White Castles like I needed that. But you see, I craved... Well, God wants you to crave Him. Come on. 
God don't want you to go through, through the motions, read your Bible out of obligation, come to church out of obligation. He wants you to have a heartfelt desire, come on, for Him. Amen? And He'll reward you, buddy. The Bible says there that without faith, we can't please God. Now look, look, look over at, um, at Luke 18. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Luke 18. These are some verses that tell us God's perception of faith. You know, I guess what I was trying to say just a few minutes ago is, I can have faith because Jesus already did. Come on, did you hear me? I can have faith because Jesus already did. I'm just getting in on his coattails. (laughs) Look at Luke 18. Get there myself, I went to chapter 8. Excuse me. And he spake this parable unto them to, to, to this end, that men ought to always to pray and not to faint. Now listen to this little story he told. There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me (laughs) shut her up give her what she wants she won't shut up and the Lord said hear what the unjust judge now understand Jesus isn't isn't comparing our father God to an unjust judge what he's trying to say is if an unjust judge would give in how much more would a good judge a just judge amen amen Verse 7, And shall not God avenge His own elect which cried day and night unto Him, though He bear long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them. Somebody say speedily. Come on. I'm ready for some speedilies in my life, aren't you? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith in the earth? Okay. If it says, shall He find faith, He evidently must be looking for it. Shall He find faith? Well, He must be looking for faith. Well, I never thought of it that way. Well, I hadn't either. Turn over to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Don't make me holler. Don't make me shout. Turn them Bibles inside out. Look at Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. Second Chronicles 16. Nine, Folks, this is such good word, I tell you what. Hallelujah. Listen to this. For the eyes of the Lord, he'll get it there. Second, Second Chronicles, not Corinthians, but Chronicles. Second Chronicles in the Old Testament back there, right after Kings. Verse 9, 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the what whole earth. He didn't say, now I'm checking out Australia, but forget Africa. He didn't say, I'm uh, checking out the United States, but I'll never take a look at South America. No, the Bible said he's all day going. 
eyes of the Lord run to and fro. You believe, you believe that God has eyes? Well, I do. I was created in His image. You believe God's got a body? Yeah. Spiritual body. You're going to see God someday. <laughs> he ain't a glob floating around Saturn. Our most kind and precious glob circling Venus. In the name of thy glob son. See, I'm a kind of a date gown, and I'm, I just take the Bible literal. Said the hand of the Lord. And, you know, I, I don't think he's 800 feet tall either. Matter of fact, there's a verse in Isaiah. Talks about the, the 12th chapter of Isaiah. Talks about that he... The, the span of God, the span is the distance from the thumb to the little finger. And the Hebrew there says the nine-inch span. I measured my one time, it's eight and three-quarters. I'm a quarter. My span is a quarter smaller than God's. You, do, you, do you believe that? Well, I just believe the Bible. So God's up there going, I just want to get out here on Burkhart like he can't see it through a roof. We ought to just all go out there in the street and say, Woo! Stop here! <laughs> Come on, am I preaching good? Come on! See, he's looking for faith. Faith pleases him. Trust it. Do something this week by faith. But what if I'm in presumption? You'll find out. What, what if I'm not totally in the will of God? Read my lips. So... God would rather you make a few mistakes along the way, trying, than to always live in your little comfort zone and never step out and do anything by faith. I say, eyes, stop here. Look no further, Father. Here I am. Come on, am I preaching good? What have we learned? The foundation of faith. His faith. That God wants faith. God looks for faith. Now let's talk about faith produces action. Turn to James. Dun, 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 dun. Chapter 2, verse 14. James 2, 14. Is this good or what? James 2, 14. Faith will produce action. Chapter 2, verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say that he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you shall say, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Listen to this. (laughs) 
Thou believest that there is one God. You're doing well. The devil also believes and trembles. I have faith. Well, the devil does too. That's why, you know, everybody believe. Believe. Well, believe's good if you believe the right thing. But everybody believes something. You've got to believe, brother. What, what are you believing? I don't know. I'm just believe it. I already covered that last week. You've got to have a word to believe. Come on, amen. But you know, everybody believe easy believism. You believe like you believe, and I believe like I believe, and, and the devil believes too, and he's going to hell. Are there believers in hell? Yeah. Not Christian believers that believe in Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross, but there's believers. I mean, you can make your oak tree out in front of your house become your God and believe in it. What do you believe? Oak trees. It might be your sedan. My car is my God. Well, how's that working out for you? About all you get out of there is maintenance, ain't it? You know, don't get any prayers answered by praying to your <laughs> your challenger, right? <laughs> that would be a nice car to have, by the way. But my point is, the devil believes. Verse twenty. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Folks, faith always produces action. Go to Hebrews eleven. Matter of fact, it would do you well to go home and just read the whole 11th chapter. We call it the faith chapter. By faith this, by faith this. Now, we've already been there tonight, but let's go back there. You know, we're, we're actually going to go to verse 8. 11, 8. I, I could camp out on a bunch of these. You know, it talks about Abel and Enoch and Noah and <laughs> Jacob and Moses, all kinds of stuff. But let's talk about Abraham a minute. Chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, when he was called, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. See, lots of people just want God to explain everything to them. I'm, I'm kind of like that a little bit. Like when I would work for somebody... I did some construction for one of my uncles when I was in high school. and In the summer, I'd help them guys. And, and uh, I always liked when they told us what we're, what we're doing all day. That way I can, I, 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 I can pace myself, and, you know, 100 degrees in the middle of July. You know what I mean? And, and you kind of know the whole plan. What do we want to accomplish today? I hated it when they... Had you do one thing for 20 minutes and then gave you another job. and then get, you know, Give me the plan. But now, some, sometimes that's called comfort zone. Let me tell you what God likes to do. He, he loves to get you out in the creek on one rock. Uh, God, make a deal with you. Put a rock out there and I'll step on it. And the voice came from heaven and said, Son, step out there and I'll put a rock on it. See, 
We, we don't like this part right here. Ah! Oh, there's a rock. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this. Has he ever let you down? I, you know, it's like the guy that was climbing a mountain and he got halfway up and his rope came loose and he's on a cliffhanger, you know, and he reaches out and grabs this little tree branch and the tree starts coming out of the ground and he's hollering up the top, Help! Somebody help! Lost my rope! I'm a goner! Jesus walked over the edge of the cliff. Yes. Who is it? Jesus. Oh, am I ever glad to see you! Tell me what to do, Lord. This tree's about to come loose. So help me. I lost my rope. The Lord says, let go of the tree. Let go of the limb. Is anybody else up there? <laughs> you know, just in case there's another guy up there that has a rope, you know, I don't like this let go of the limb thing. Hello! You know, we, we want to trust God as long as we can hang on to our limb. Abraham, now this is funny. I don't know, I've always got humor out of the Bible. Can you tell? Verse 8. Look, look, look at this verse again. He was called to go out, and he, he, he went out. Look at the last part of verse 8. Not knowing whether he went. Now, okay, they, they got the U-Haul truck out in front of the house. They're carrying out the couch and the, and the sofa and the, the big screen TV. <laughs> Did Abraham have, have a big screen TV? I don't know. Anyway, you know, and uh, and, and all this. And, and his, his neighbor comes over, you know, and I mean, they got the movers there, buddy. Two men in a truck are there. And his neighbor comes walking across the lawn and says, Hey, Abe, uh, where are you going, man? He said, I don't know. <laughs> if, if words mean anything, it said he went out. It didn't say he figured out where he is going and then he went out. No, it said he went out not knowing whether he went. Talk about faith. And that's a pretty good little scoot across there from the other side of the Euphrates River, or the Chaldees, over to the Promised Land. Desert. Where are you going? I don't know. Just one day at a time, sweet Jesus. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. Faith. Number four, number five point tonight. Faith sees the unseen. Right there in Hebrews 11, go up to verse 27, talking about Moses. Everybody say, Mo. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, the Lord couldn't use Larry. Come on, say it. The Lord couldn't use Larry. Everybody say, the Lord could not use Curly. Come on, say So he had to talk to Mo. You know that's right. Amen. Verse 27. It says, by faith, he, talking about Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, invisible doesn't mean that it has no substance. Really, the word invisible in Scripture means that it's beyond sight. 
Well, there's a veil, Pastor, in the spiritual realm. Let me tell you a little story, and this is one of those da 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 Okay, I'm not freaking you out. I'm not into this. You all have heard me preach. I stick with the word. But once in a while, I like to tell a little story about this. A good friend of mine, an elderly man, he's probably about 75 years old, lives in Texas now. He used to live up here close to um, Lima. He used to go to his church, and when uh, my mama died back in uh, 93, we went out to, I was at his church a couple weeks after she died. And of course, we was talking about heaven and people up there and what they know or what they don't know or whatever, you know. And uh, he told about an experience. Now, he's a Holy Ghost man, believes in intercessory prayer and prays in the Holy Ghost, speaks in tongues, you know. And uh, he said, one, one night they was having a, a service. And he said he was laying on the altar. I guess people praying everywhere, the real spiritual meeting. And uh, he said, I had a experience. Now, once, once again, I don't preach this to get people to go looking for experiences. Get in the Word. God gives you an experience. Make sure it lines up with the Word. Well, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians that he knew a man in Christ 14 years ago. He was talking about himself. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I know not. God knows. So he, he had an out-of-body experience. He thinks he did. But he went to the third heaven, and that's when he came back and wrote those letters to us, okay? But um, my, my point is this. I guess it's possible that, that a person could start to leave their body. And he said he was laying there praying, and he, he, he felt himself leaving his body. And he said when, when he did, he didn't see the room anymore. He saw Lord of God, a river. And he said there was a crowd of people over there. And they were just talking, I guess, giving each other a high five talk, just enjoying heaven, just being there, you know. And he said, every time I'd start to leave my body, that whole crowd of people would look across the river at me. And he said, then I'd go back into my body, and they would turn and start talking again. Now, once again, I don't have a lot of scripture for what. It's just a, it's one guy's experience. It's kind of cool, ain't it? To think that when you leave your body, your loved ones, I think they holler at him. Hey, get over here. He's coming home. <laughs> Glory to God. See your mom again. See your daddy again. See grandma and grandpa, see your loved ones, people that have passed on. Come on, amen. So there's a realm out there. He said you can see the invisible. Moses saw him who is invisible. Come on. I can't see him with these eyes, but I see him. Who all sees him tonight? Come on. I see him, don't you? And the more I get in this book, I see him more. This paints a picture of what he's like, amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If anybody wants to know, it's 808. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Faith sees the unseen. Now, the Apostle Paul could say some things. I'm sure that if an unbeliever heard it, they would go, What in the world is he talking about? Chapter 4, verse 18, 2 Corinthians 4, 18. The 18th verse, the last verse of that chapter. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Did you hear what I said? You can look at things that aren't seen. (laughs) 
Does that make your head spin? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Once again, just because they're not seen doesn't mean they're not things. They're just beyond sight. But we see them how? By faith. See, there's some of you, the old enemy says, you don't have any faith, you don't have any faith. Hello. I saw some of you out there with your hands lifted up. Who in the world were you lifting your hands to? Did you see? No, what you were doing was seeing him that is invisible. And someday, come on, when you get in that glorified state, come on, saints, someday that hand will reach on out there and touch the hand of God. Glory to God forevermore. I'm about to preach real good. Come on. I believe in heaven. Apostle Paul said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. Don't ever lose sight of heaven. I'm not one of these guys that believes in getting so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, you know, and just sitting around waiting on Jesus to come. Don't do anything. I ain't talking about that. But don't ever lose sight of your faith walk. Come on. Look at 1 Peter 1 8. Look what old Simon Peter said over here. Talking about Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom, having not seen... Now the whom there, if you look at the end of verse 7, is Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus Christ in verse 7. Then he comes up to verse 8 and says, Whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet... What's the next word? Believing. <laughs> I see not, yet believing. I don't see it, but I do believe. And you know what? I rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. You know, I read a book years ago by Old Robertson. He was talking about the fourth man. He had a sermon he preached many years ago called The Fourth Man. I heard him preach it one night out in California at a convention when he, when he was in the prime of his life at a big full, full gospel businessman's convention. Preached on the fourth man. Oh, my folks. And my aunts and uncles talk about back in the day in the Crusades, the big tent revivals, the healing meetings. He had preached that sermon. Of course, he's talking about when Prophet Daniel was in the, was in the lion's den and and uh, he, he looked down there, and, and, he, and that old wicked king said, I see one like unto the Son of God, you know? He's talking about the fourth man in the fiery furnace. And uh, the fourth man. And uh, uh, Oral Roberts was, was talking about how he would just sit sometimes and read his Bible, and people would walk up and see him crying. And, and what, what was happening? The Holy Ghost was painting a picture of Jesus for him. And I uh, used to, I had, I was talking to Brother Gary, we went out to supper that, uh, we, uh, I, I had that memorized years ago, I, from Genesis to Revelation, I, I can do about two-thirds of it now, but I can't, then my minor prophets, I get a little bit off, because I haven't preached it in a long time, but you know, in Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. 
In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In Esther, come on, he's our Mordecai. Come on. In Job, he's our everlasting redeemer. In Psalms, he's the Lord, our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. In Isaiah, he's the Lord who bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. The list goes on. Get, get, get the New Testament. Can I do that? Oh, Matthew, he's a Messiah. In Mark, he's a wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's the justifier. In Corinthians, he's the sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's the God who meets all your need according to his riches and glory. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. First, second Thessalonians, the Lord coming, the Lord himself coming with a shout from heaven. Hallelujah. In Timothy and Titus, he's the faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's the friend of the oppressed. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the Lord who raises the sick. In first Peter, he's the chief shepherd who soon shall appear. First, second, third John, he's love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. And Revelation, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Yeah, I got that New Testament part down there. My goosebumps have goosebumps. He said he just sit there and weep. I've done it. And people say, what's wrong with you? You out of your mind? Well, kind of. I wanted to get out of my mind and get the mind of Christ. Come on, amen. <laughs> no, I have a good mind. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just, I'm just talking about hey, we need to get rid of our stinking thinking and put the word in us. Come on, amen. Get that word in us, man. I mean to tell you, it'll paint a picture of Jesus, and you'll just, look at what it says, whom though you see him not, yet you love him. Who all loves him, though you've never seen him? I love him. So what does faith do? sees the unseen at 8.15? Let's go to Romans 5. We've talked about the foundation of faith. We've talked about His faith. We've talked about that God looks for faith. We've talked about that faith produces action. We've talked about how faith sees the unseen. And tonight, I want to say a few words about the trial of our faith. Okay, turn with me, if you will. I'll tell you what. You, you were right there in First Peter. The verse before that eighth verse, look at chapter 1, verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7, 1 Peter. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There is a trial of faith. Now turn with me, if you will, over to Romans chapter 5. You get anything out of this? Say amen. Romans 5. I want you to notice the order here. Verse 1 through 5. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. God is at peace with you. A truce has been called. God's not mad at you. Because of your faith in Jesus, 
you've been justified or declared righteous. Come on, amen. Then it says, I want you to notice the end of verse 1 says Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, talking about Jesus, says, By whom also we have access by faith into his grace. Okay, Faith opens the door of God's grace. Once you notice this order, it's, it's like stair steps. Wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now, let me kick over a little sacred cow here. Some people think that they got it right because they heard it in the lyrics of a song. Now, you should be getting your songs from the Bible instead of your theology from the songs you've heard. Because there might have been somebody that wrote that song that wasn't scripturally writing, okay? People will say, well, the trial of my faith makes my faith strong. No. We covered that last week, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word brings faith. I know some people have all kinds of trials and don't seem to have an ounce of faith. They just beat up all the time, so it can't be the trials. If that's the case, everybody in the church would be a spiritual giant. Trials don't make faith strong. Matter of fact, you should never pray uh, for patience. Never pray for patience. Because the only way to get patience is to tribulate. And I got enough tribulating. I don't need to be praying for more tribulating. What produces patience? Trials. And not so, but we glory. Apostle <laughs> Paul's kind of crazy. I don't mean crazy, but just, yeah, he's, he's kind of wild. We, we just glory in tribulations. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But I understand you ought to read his life in the book of Acts. He got beat up and stoned him, left him for dead. He, he floated around in the Mediterranean Sea for two nights on a piece of wood. Or for a day and a night, I think it said. You think you got trials because you're out of hairspray. Forgot mine tonight. Folks, floating around in the Mediterranean Sea on a chunk of wood for the gospel's sake. Stoned and left for dead. He says, I glory in my trials because trials produce patience, a.k.a. endurance. Amen? Now watch it. And patience experience. <laughs> How do I get experience from patience? How do I get patience from trials? See, I go through a trial, I endure. Then I have a thing called experience. See the ladder here? It said, faith, we're at peace with God. We have access to grace. We glory in trials because they produce patience. And patience produces 
See, like they say down Mississippi, the Lord ain't ever let me down, and he ain't a fixing to. Well, see, I've been serving for 44 years almost, and I get, I still got stuff happening, stuff, trials, pop-up situations, and, and uh, you know, and, and man, sometimes you think, Lord, how in the world? And then I get to thinking, wait a minute. I got some experience under my belt now. And the same God that brought me this fire is going to carry me on down the trail. Because he ain't a fixing to drop me now. Come on, amen. I have experience now. Experience came from patience. Patience came from trials. The grace of God was produced by faith. And our faith gave us peace with God. It's all right there. And experience hope. I have experience now. What are you going to do, Brother Blaine? Well, how long have you been a Christian? Three hours. Well, I've been walking with him for 44 years. Let me give you some hope here. I've crossed that same bridge you're crossing several years ago, and I made it so you can make it too. So there's hope now. Hope for the future. Amen. And then he goes into verse 5 and says, And hope makes not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. <laughs> okay, once again, that's not just your love that you conjure up. It said the love of God. It did not say the love of Dennis. The love of God. Quit praying for love. Quit asking for love. You don't need to pray for love anymore. Never do it again. Oh, I'm going to pray. You're going to say this to God. Father, I read Romans 5, 5, and it says the Holy Ghost has shed the love of God abroad in my heart. So that's the love for you and the love from you. I have plenty of love because I saw it in the Bible. Come on, amen. That's how you pray. Amen. Hebrews 10, 32. A couple more verses and I'm done. Hebrews 10.32. I'm shooting for 8.30 and it's 8.23. After light comes a fight. Look at your neighbor and say, after light comes fight. Hebrews 10.32. But call to remembrance the former days in which ye were illuminated. That would be given light. You turn on the light switch, you illuminate the room, don't you? When the lights came on, another way of saying you were born again. <laughs> the Bible said in Psalm 119, the entrance of his word gives light. After light, what it said, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. People say ignorance is bliss. Well, kind of, sometimes. Because once, once you know, you can know, hear the greatest sermon on love. <laughs> I guarantee you between here and Frisch's, you're going to want to cuss out six people and get mad at the waitress, come on, and argue in the car all the way to Steak and Shake. Come on, am I preaching good? You say, I'm going to, I, I saw the light on fasting. I'm going to go on a three-day fast. You're about to get 14 invitations to Red Lobster. People you haven't heard from in 10 years are going to call you and ask you out to eat tonight. See all this wonderful revelation on God's healing power? The devil tried to do something to you, man. 
After light comes a fight. Everybody say, after light comes a fight. Well, then I don't know if I want any light, Brother Blaine. Don't you be in a ostrich now. Turn to Mark 4. Hide your head in the sand. Get that old Eddie Arnold spirit on you. Make the world go away. Get the devil off my shoulder. <laughs> Look at verse 3. Chapter 4, verse 3 of Mark. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. Came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground, which had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, but it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it says, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, yielded no fruit. Other fell on good ground, yielded fruit that sprang up. Some brought forth 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Okay, now I hurried through that. You know, a lot of people give a lot of names to the devil. I, I like to stick with Scripture. Satan, Lucifer, the devil, Beelzebub, and so forth. But, you know, <laughs> I did get a new name for him. He's Dirty Bird. How do you know he's Dirty Bird? Because Jesus explained it. The, the disciples said, uh, Duh, Lord, uh, would you explain that uh, we didn't get that little thing you told them people out there? So he explains it again in verse 14 in different words. Watch. The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately. See, up earlier it was the bird. So he's the dirty bird. So give no place to old dirty bird, all right? And you'd be cracking up right now, wouldn't you? I, I could hear her back here laughing right now. Say immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. See, People think, the devil's just getting me. The devil's been all over me. The devil's been doing this. And the devil... Well, now, you, you're kind of thinking a little more highly of yourself than you should. It's not really you he's after. It's after the word in you. I don't ever have any trouble with the devil. Because you're an empty person. And you're already on his side. Why bother you? You're no threat. You show somebody, buddy, that's full of the Word of God, he dreads to see you get up in the morning. Come on, I'm preaching good. Oh, dirty bird, come get that Word. We'll close with this here. Look at verse 16. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they've heard the Word, receive it with gladness. Oh, pastor, that's the most wonderful sermon I've ever heard in my life. Hallelujah. And have no root in themselves, endure for a time. Afterward, listen, when affliction or persecution arises for assembly of God's sake, no. Arises for open Bible's sake, no. Arises for the Methodist church's sake, no. The devil don't really care anything about open Bible or assembly of God or the thing he hates for you to get a hold of more than anything else. Not the label you carry, what church you go to on Sunday morning. It's when that word gets on the inside of you. Oh, he says he will come immediately. And here it says afterward when, it didn't say if. Come on. 
said, when affliction or persecution rises, for the word's sake, they're offended. Pastor, that was good preaching. I like part one and part two, but I don't like part three because you stepped on my toes. I'm offended. I'm going to be a church hopper and go somewhere else now because I'm mad. (laughs) Verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word at 829. And the cares of this world, listen, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. Oh, folks, if you're an underliner, I saw these words here one day. Entering in. Choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. See, the problem wasn't just once it was in there. It was entering. Say boundaries. Say borders. There ought to be some borders in your life. Some boundaries in your life where that devil never gets in your living room. The minute you spot him at the front door, it's... (coughs) Slam the door right in his face. Don't come in and have iced tea with him and talk to him a while. Come on. Don't even let him enter in. Old expression, nip it in the bud. Stop it before it gets out of hand. Is that good? But when is this sown? Oh, well, hallelujah. Look at verse 20, and I'm done. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. See, the word of God is our basis of faith. But there will be trials along the trail. Come on. I'm not glorifying trials, but I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it's not going to happen. Old dirty bird will come after that word. You know, when, when I was just going Christmas and Easter and, and you know, just kind of quesera, sera kind of lifestyle and whatever will be, will be. You know, if it feels good, do it. You know, well, in my opinion, you know, I never had any problems. When I got to hanging around in Pentecostals and got full of the Holy Ghost and the Word and started serving God and got a ministry of some kind, all hell broke loose! Because you are a threat now. You're not living in what Paul called the motions of sins. You're not just living your life for me. I could go on, but I'm done. Who else is going to come back next week and hear it again? Come on. Now, you're going to like next week. I like part one, part two, but, man, you're going to love part three. So we're going to do some excavation next week. We're going to uproot some mountains and trees and stuff and throw them into the ocean. Come on. <laughs>